0: We are so excited to announce something brand new here at Bayshore Community Church. Available now on any of the app stores, either Apple or Android or even Amazon, is the exciting Bayshore Church app for your mobile device. Now this app is chock full of content for you to use to engage with Bayshore. There's a sermon archive where you can browse past messages from both campuses. There's ways for you to sign up for classes, for events, for small groups, there's events calendar so that you don't miss anything that's happening. There's even a Bible reading section where you can get daily updates on where we are reading in the Bible. Also, this app has a great new giving feature, a very sleek and efficient way to easily give anytime you like and also have reoccurring gifts. Be sure to check out our app. You can go to bayshorecc.org/app. That's bayshorecc.org/app and find links to download the Bayshore Church app. Well, welcome to
1: Biker Sunny. We're glad you're here. And want you to know that after the event today, we're going to, we got food in the foyer and it's for everybody today. If you're not a biker, you didn't come for Biker Sunday, you just are here. Uh, We got food for everybody, so we're glad you're here. But hey, listen, it's so good to have everybody here. We want to welcome our bikers. Let's give our bikers a big hand. Thank you for being here. Before I get started today, I wanted to just mention the CMA, Christian Motorcycles Association, they have been helping our feeding program at Bayshore. Every Sunday after the second service, we go to Salisbury and we feed uh, people that are on the street. And we've been doing this for a lot of years. Here's some pictures of the CMA helping us. And uh, we've got quite a few. This is a snowy day. They're down there. This is CMA helping feed people with Bayshore. And uh, we want to thank CMA. And if you're a CMA member, would you stand up? We want to welcome you today. Thank you so much for your ministry. So, CMA have been, has been partnering with Bayshore uh, and our uh, feeding program for 12 years, 12 years. So we are just very, very thankful for you. So, uh, awesome. And before I get started today, I wanted to just mention, uh, hey, did anybody graduate uh, this month from high school or college? Anybody graduate? We have some graduates. Would the graduates stand up? Congratulations. Awesome. Okay, so um, what we're doing today is we're in a series, and so you guys get to join in with us on a series. Uh, When we have Biker Sunny, we like to give for sort of uh, everybody that's a guest here a taste of what we do on Bayshore. And so we are in a series called uh, Dysfunctional Junction. So we're talking about uh, families that are dysfunctional. Families that are dysfunctional. So, we're going to be talking about that for a few minutes this morning. And at the end of the service, we'll be praying for our, our bikes and just uh, blessing everybody before we have dinner. So, we are uh, talking about um, dysfunctional families. Now, the series is called Dysfunction Junction. And the reason uh, that we're talking about this is we believe that every family is weird to a certain degree. How many have some weirdness in your family? Everybody has a weird family, it's just a matter of degrees. Uh, dysfunction is the new term. You know, if your family's a little weird, we call that you have a dysfunctional family. And uh, really that just means that you have some, you know, a little bit of weirdness in your family. And if, and if you look around you and you look and, and, and nobody around you is weird, then you're the weird one. You are the weird one. So uh, everybody's family's got a little bit of stuff in it. And uh, my family does, your family does, everybody has got some dysfunction. So we've been talking about uh, about family, and today we're going to talk about the key part of the family. We're going to talk about... Um husband and wife, mom and dad, those, those key players in the family. Now I know in our culture we have all kinds of different families. We have people that are single moms that are doing an amazing job and uh, we have some great single moms in our church that I just, uh, I just so admire and they're doing such a great job. They're focusing on their kids, taking care of their kids and all that. And we have people that have been widowed and they've lost a spouse or whatever. Uh, so uh, we have people at all different stages. But today we're going to talk about We're going to talk about the family. We're going to talk about husband and wife. And uh, some of us are into that category. And some of you aren't married, but you're going to get married. And we're going to talk about uh, some things that can help you. So here's what we're going to talk about. Um, We're going to talk about distance in your marriage. Distance in your marriage. Uh, Now, I don't mean longevity. That's a good concept. But I'm talking about distance that occurs in a relationship. Now, I don't know if you know this, but when... uh, back in the days of slavery, you know, the Civil War ended 1865 and slavery officially ended in our country. But before that, uh, slaves would sometimes get married. They weren't legally allowed to get married uh, by the state. Uh, That wasn't recognized, but the slave owners sometimes would allow the slaves to get married. And so what they did is they they tweaked the vows a little bit. Um, and they changed them. Instead of saying, until death do us part, what they said was, until distance does separate us. Until distance does separate us. So they didn't say, until death do us part. They said, until distance separates us. So the reason they said that is as is, is obvious. Sometimes a slave would be married to a slave on a certain plantation, and then that slave would be sold and uh, transported and would be separated from their spouse. And so this happened repeatedly. It happened a lot of times. And so when they took the wedding vows, the, the minister, uh, whoever officiated the wedding, would say, until distance does separate us. You know what I think? I think sometimes that uh, uh, a man and woman can be married together for a long time and uh, they can be together and somehow distance has become, become between them. Now, it's, it's like they, 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 they live in the same house, they sit at the same kitchen table, they sit on the same couch and watch TV, they eat the same food, they sleep in the same bed, but yet they're miles apart. They have gotten distance between them. And we want to talk about how do you keep from growing apart? How can you close the gap when distance gets in your relationship. And if you're on the front end of getting married, you've just been married or you're about to get married. Uh, and, and one of the things you didn't want to think about is you want to be proactive and not letting your relationship drift apart. So we're going to talk about one of the things that uh, cause our relationships to drift apart. What is it that causes our relationships to drift apart? Now, first thing is, is excessive predictability, excessive predictability. Everybody say excessive Predictability. That means that your relationship is so predictable. I mean, it's the same thing every day. You do the same thing. Uh, you have tuna casserole every Thursday night of every week of the year. You do the same thing. It's just monotonous. And relationships and marriage need mystery, they need surprises, they need excitement. They need uh, diversity. It can't be the same old, same old all the time because difference creates, uh, because sameness creates distance in our relationships. Same thing over and over and over again. And so, what we have to do is we have to create and introduce surprises. We have to introduce some adventure. We have to introduce some mystery into our relationships. Our relationships get really, really boring fast. I think what destroys marriages is, is boredom more than anything else. So how can you keep spice in your relationship? You say, well, you know, Pastor Danny, you know, I get my, my spouse, you know, I get my wife a, a Mother's Day card and flowers every Mother's Day, and I get her flowers on Valentine's and a card on Valentine's, and every year I do that. That should be enough. That is not enough. Uh, I was at the uh, I was at the, uh, the, the drugstore this year, Mother's Day, uh, a couple days before Mother's Day, buying Karen a Mother's Day card, and I'm in there, and there's all these desperate men there buying these cards, and they're there buying these cards and all that, and one guy said out loud, we're all standing there, no lie, he st- stood out loud, he said, boy, I've got a double whammy, Mother's Day and my anniversary is the same week. And he was just complaining about that. He wasn't buying a Mother's Day card for his wife. He was buying a Mother's Day card for him. It was self-defense. That's all he was doing. He was trying to preserve himself. What if, what if you got your wife a card or some flowers not on Mother's Day not on Valentine's Day, and not when you've done something wrong, you just got her some flowers and you got her a card just because you were thinking of her. Now I'm here to tell you, she would knock you down and lick your face to death (laughs) because it's unexpected. You say, Pastor Danny, are you going to not get Karen Mother's Day card and flowers and Valentine's card and flowers? Do I look stupid? I'm still going to do that. But I recognize that there has to be mystery, there has to be surprises, there has to be freshness in the relationship. Uh, one of the things that uh, Karen and I like doing is we love to watch this show called This Is Us on TV. Uh, it's an NBC show. How many have ever watched This Is Us? It's a really good show. NBC runs it. And uh, I know it's not got, there's certain things in it that aren't Christian and all that. I get all that. But Karen and I have watched this show twice on Hulu uh, season one, season two. Here's a picture of the uh, This Is Us family. And uh, we have uh, in this family, we have Jack Pearson and Rebecca Pearson. And these are their two natural children, uh, Kate and Kevin. And on the day that uh, they had Kate and Kevin, she was actually pregnant with triplets, and they lost one of the babies. And the same day, they adopted this little African-American baby whose name is Randall. And they had this, uh, this, this family. This family, these uh, uh, Jack and Rebecca Pearson are madly in love in the show. They love each other, j- desperately. They just absolutely love each other. And uh, what we like about the show is the show has a lot of realness to it. Uh, they have financial problems. Jack has given up his dream. Uh, to own his own construction company in order to have a better job to take care of his family. Rebecca is dealing with the sibling rivalry between the kids. The kids don't always get along real good, so there's some strife there. Jack also struggles with alcoholism And there's a, there's actually a a great scene where Rebecca and Jack are actually separated for a short amount of time. And uh, Rebecca comes to where Jack is staying and Jack opens the door and he says, I'm drunk right now. And I'm having, uh, you know, I've got to fix this problem by myself. And he closes the door. And then uh, just a second later, Rebecca opens this door and he said, any problem you have, I have, and we're going to fix this together. And Jack overcomes his alcoholism. And they just are in love. They just have this incredible love relationship. And, and uh, Karen and I, when we watch it, I mean, we're like crying and slinging snot, you know. It's just, <laughs> it's just such a really, really amazing show. And I'm like, Jack is such a good dad and he's such a good husband. I'm praying, Lord, let me be like Jack. Let me be like Jack. He's such a great guy. But there's this special scene where uh, the relationship goes through the doldrums a little bit. Uh, you know, th- there's so much stress in their relationship, raising these kids, and stress with things that are going on in life, and they don't get along with their in-laws very well. There's all this problem, and there's this one scene where uh, Rebecca comes home one night. She, she sings in a band, and she's coming back from her band rehearsal, and Jack has divvied the kids out. He's got the kids all sent away to different places, and when she opens the door, he gives her a big kiss. He puts his arms around her, and he gives her a big kiss and uh, he has her bags all packed, and then he blindfolds her. And here's a picture of her blindfolded. Jack puts the blindfold on her. He blindfolds Rebecca, and he takes her to their very first apartment that they had when they first got married and walks her up the stairs and then takes off the blindfolds. And then uh, she, he's had, he has a, the apartment all decorated with lights. He has flowers on the floor, and he has champagne and he has terry cloth robes they put on, and they're sitting on the bathroom floor. And then he pulls out, out of his, uh, out of the, out of his uh, pocket there, he pulls out their original wedding vows that they wrote on notebook paper when they got married at the courthouse. And here's a picture of them getting married at the courthouse years earlier, and he takes out the very paper that he, uh, that he and she read their vows off of, and they recited their vows to one another. It's incredible. And the principle that they capture in that love story is that romance and love require mystery, require some surprises requires something completely different. I remember one time I came home, it was my birthday, and I came home and Karen uh, was waiting for me there and I expected a birthday cake and we were going to have you know, the kids over and all that. But instead, when I got in the door, she had my bags packed and she took me away to Ocean City and we had this uh, condo sort of on the bay side and we could see the Ocean City skyline. We had a wonderful time. And that's all of the story I'm able to tell you. It was an amazing, <laughs> amazing thing. So just say this with me, great relationships have mystery and surprise to keep them relevant. Very important that we have that, that we have mystery and excitement and surprise. Some relationships get distance because of sheer boredom monotony, just the same thing over and over and over again. We had this couple in the church that the guy used to be on the church board and uh, was a very successful guy, a really smart guy. And uh, I noticed that he and his wife had a very good relationship. They always came to church holding hands, and they were putting their arms around each other when they were sitting next to each other. And I kind of watched them to kind of figure out what is it that makes them so, uh, so their relationship so fresh. And he told me something one time. He said, we do this where we'll just, like, throw some clothes in the back of the car and, and we'll just get in the car and we'll start driving. We have no idea where we're going to go. We have no idea where we're going to end up. We just drive. And one time they just got in the car and they drove to Vermont and they rented a you know, B&B and then they spent a couple days and did some sightseeing. It's that sense of adventure. Now, if you've got kids and you're raising kids, how many have kids? You've got some kids that you're raising and, and they're just sucking your brains out. You love them to death, <laughs> but they're sucking your brains out. You know what? Those kids are wonderful. You love on those kids. And what happens is, moms, when they have a kid, I mean, they're, they're so excited about the, the child most of the time. Generally speaking, the mother's all about the child, and then the husband's all about his work, and he's all focused on that. And, and, and so, what happens is the couple drifts apart because they don't nurture the primary relationship in their life. Because if you raise a healthy family, those kids are going to leave and say adios. They're going to leave you, and you need to maintain and support. The primary relationship, which is very, very important. Now, the second thing that uh, can create distance in our relationship, and this is a little bit of a complicated point, uh, but here's what it is uh, here it is um, relationships can get distance between them sometimes because we don't share the same ultimate goal. We don't share the same ultimate goal. Now, I'm a goal oriented person, I always have a goal. Uh, maybe you're here today, you've got some goals. Uh, maybe you got a Honda and you want a Harley. You know, maybe I shouldn't have said that. But maybe you, you got you got something. You got a goal. And uh, I, I always have goals. i got a little goal right now. I've got a, uh, my storage shed as the outside's all, you know, coming apart, and so I'm going to buy some vinyl siding, and I'm just thinking about this, and, and uh, you know, i got little goals I want to accomplish. Uh, Karen and I, we have a goal to go to Alaska, you know, we want to do the Alaska cruise. We were going to do it on our 40th wedding anniversary, but we didn't have enough money quite saved up, and so we, that was last year, so we stayed home and watched uh, Rick Stevens' uh, Alaska videos, we watched those, and, uh, but we're going to go to... Alaska you know when you go to Alaska how many been on the Alaska cruise you've been on the Alaska cruise old people talk about that you've been on the Alaska cruise the end is near I mean I tell you that's uh, so we were t- that's a goal we have uh but goals you know um I had a goal to get a pickup. I wanted a pickup, and for the last three years, I've been saving up for a Tacoma pickup, and I've been saving up for that. And uh, And just so happens about three months ago, I hit a deer with my uh, Honda Civic and totaled it, and I got enough money from that to buy uh, a, 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 Honda, a, a Tacoma pickup. And so here's a picture of my new Tacoma pickup that I got, and uh, my boy out there, and I told Joel, hey, you work hard, you'll get one of these one day. So... Uh, I'm just loving that truck. And here's the Honda I hit, or here's the, my Honda that hit the, the deer. Here's a picture of that. And so this is what enabled me to get that. I totaled the, the Honda Civic. And I was, I was praying the thing would be totaled. And uh, I, actually ch- <laughs> I actually chased that deer out in the field. I'm telling you. <laughs> chased that deer right out in the field. And I was able to get that that Tacoma pickup. And it's a goal. Man, I love it. I mean, I'm so happy. I never knew. I, I've, been, I've been a truck person all my life. I didn't know it. I love this truck. So that's a goal. But you know, when two people come together in a relationship, if they have the ultimate goal, which is to know Jesus better and to grow in their faith, it's very, very hard for that couple to stay far apart. Because the ultimate goal for people that are followers of Jesus is that they love Jesus with all of their heart, they want to know Jesus. They want to walk with Jesus. And you've got, you got the husband over here. He's seeking Jesus. He's praying. He's just not a Christian in name. He's just not a Christian that prayed a sinner's prayer you know, at a church sometime. But he's continuing to grow in his faith. He loves Jesus. And then you got his wife on the other side. She loves Jesus. She's seeking Jesus. And you got two people that are per- pursuing Jesus. Now, I know that statistics say that you got Christian divorces that are about the same as uh, secular divorces. And I think that what that is, is those are Christians in name. Those are nominal Christians that they, they go to church it's every once in a while and they're Christians. But I think it's very, very hard for two people that really love Jesus and are living under the lordship of Jesus to drift apart. Because if I'm walking with Jesus, the Holy Spirit is always convicting me about how to be a better husband, how to be like Jack Pearson, to be a better husband, to love my wife. And God's speaking to Karen at the same time. And so we're constantly being tweaked tweaked because we're under the lordship of Jesus. And so we're getting closer and closer together. Now, here's a Here's a picture of a diagram, that uh, the pyramid diagram that's very famous. When I, Karen and I first got married, we got uh, marital, premarital counseling, and this was a diagram that many of us have seen. And it shows that you got the husband at one end, and you got the wife on the other end. And when they are constantly together pursuing the Lord, what happens? Distance diminishes between them. They get closer. What happens if you got a woman that's really loving Jesus and you got a husband that's not so focused in and all that, I think God can put grace on that relationship. I think the New Testament teaches that if you, are, uh, if you become a believer and your spouse is not a believer, you stay with your spouse, you work on that relationship. The book of Peter talks about living a quiet and godly life in front of your spouse. But I think the ideal, the ideal picture is when you get married, uh, you have a husband who loves Jesus, and wife who loves Jesus, and they are pursuing God together, and they get closer and closer together. Now, my wife, Karen, uh, is just an amazing woman. She's an amazing woman. Um, And I always say that she lives what I preach. You know, she's like, I'm trying to live it. She's living it. You know, she's really amazing. And uh, she's, uh, uh, I'll come home sometimes, and she'll be sitting on our sectional, and she'll have her iPad out, and she'll be reading the Bible. And th- sometimes I'll come home and she'll be in the, in, the, uh, in the bathroom and she'll have her iPad and she'll be playing worship music while she's getting her hair all fixed up. Uh, and sometimes I'll come home and she'll be listening to podcasts of, of preaching. Not my preaching, but she'll be listening to podcasts. So uh, she's, I hear you preach all the time. So anyhow, she's, you know, and she's constantly growing in her faith. Now, she was away last week, so she came home uh, yesterday and... I didn't notice it, but she said something was wrong with our refrigerator. Our refrigerator was not cold enough. It was like 48 degrees. And she knew that something was wrong. because She could feel the milk's not cold enough and all that. And I didn't notice it, but she, she noticed that. And so here, here's my wife. And I want you to know, we're clothing in our right mind. We're not idiots or anything like that. But she laid her hands on the refrigerator and prayed that the Lord would heal our refrigerator because she didn't want to buy another refrigerator. And I certainly didn't want to buy another refrigerator. So she laid her hands on it and she did it three times praying for our refrigerator. I'm here to tell you, this is no lie. Two hours later, that temperature went down to 37, where was supposed to be. Now I'm not sure she's got a, a. Maybe she's got a special refrigerator praying anointing. I don't know about that. And this may not happen for you. I'm not saying this is a guarantee, but that shows you what kind of woman she is. But you have two people who love Jesus, serving Jesus. Paul said in uh, Philippians chapter three. Philippians chapter three. He said, uh, "My goal." Uh, this one thing I do, I forget that which is past, and I press onto that which is head. My goal is to know Christ. And in two times in Philippians chapter 3, he says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Paul's goal was, Paul's goal was to know Jesus better. Now, the word know there, when he says, I want to know Christ in the power of his resurrection, the word know is the word uh, in the Greek, uh, the New Testament is written in Greek, by the way, uh, gnosis, and it means to know intimately. I want to have a real, authentic relationship with Jesus. So let me just say to you this this morning, uh, those of you that are part of Bayshore, those of you that are married and you're here, I would just say this. um, If you want to really up your relationship make sure that you up your spiritual connect, uh, connection with Jesus, serve him, love him with all your heart. there's a great quote by a Harvard uh, professor about the uh, church, people that go to, to, uh, to go to church together. I think you guys have that. You have that on there. I wanted to read it. just to everybody here. Um, just let me find it here it 's here somewhere. Just talk among yourselves i 'll find this in a minute. Here it is. Uh, this is by uh, Tyler J. Uh, Vander Weel. He's a professor of epidemiology at Harvard School of Public Health. Here's what he says. Married couples who attend religious services are 30 to 50 percent less likely to get divorced than those who do not. 30 to 50 percent likely more divor- uh, not to get divorced than those who do not. So basically, you have two people. This is a Harvard professor. He's not like some Christian Christianity Today thing. This is a guy. He studied, he studied sociological groups. And, and couples, and there's couples in this church, they come to church every Sunday. They come in. They, and some of you sit over here. Some of you sit over there. You hold hands. And, and you're very consistent. You're not like, you know, you come to church every once in a while. You like love Jesus. You're growing in your faith. But he said, married couples who attend religious services are 30 to 50% less likely to get divorced than those who do not. They also found that couples that got divorced that were Christians, that they stopped attending church like six or seven months before that, that something was happening in their spiritual life They were diminishing spiritually, and they drifted away from church, and that led to the divorce, and it it was an indicator of what was already happening. Church attendance, a lot of times, has to do, it shows where people's hearts really are, because people do what they want to do, and if people are really passionately in love with Jesus, you want to be with people who love Jesus, you want to grow in God's Word, and uh, it's a really, really good benefit. You can put that back up there. There we go. There it goes. It's going to come. It'll be there. Here it is. Uh, So it says such couples also are nearly 30% less likely to be depressed. That's a good thing. And over a 16 year follow-up period, this is an extended study, we're shown to have significantly lower risk of dying. So that's a good thing. Uh, So come to church and live longer. That's a good thing. So here, say this with me. Two people who love Jesus and are passionate about Jesus We'll grow closer together than those who do not. So, uh, how can distance happen in our relationship? It's if we don't, we're not both pursuing Jesus together. And we're not seeking Him with all of our heart. Not seeking Him with all of our face. And if you are a person who's not a Christian, or not married, you are a Christian but you're not married yet, please... Please think about the number one criteria of marrying somebody if you're a follower of Jesus. The number one criteria, Paul says it in uh, 1 Corinthians 7. He said, if you marry again, uh, if your spouse leaves you, whatever, you marry again, you can marry whoever you want, but they must be in the Lord, is what he says. So that's an important thing. My aunt uh, went through a divorce years ago. Um, and she was, uh, she had abusive relationship and it was just terrible. And by the way, um, abusive relationships are in that, you know, run for us, run, get out of that. And that's not, never stay in a situation where there's abuse and, uh, you know, that kind of stuff going on, crazy stuff and, or perpetual infidelity where, you know, somebody's just perpetually unfaithful. And uh, so my counsel, people come to me in those situations. I say, you know, run for us. Get away from that. So, but uh, I'm talking about generally speaking in relationships. Um, uh, you, you, my, my aunt, she was out of this, this terrible relationship she needed to be out of. And, and she wasn't a Christian, but she got out of that terrible abusive relationship. And then when she left that abusive relationship, because of the crisis of that, and here she's got a little girl and she doesn't know what she's going to do, the pressure of that drove her to Jesus and she became a Christian. She put her faith in Jesus and and began to follow the Lord. And she began to sing uh, in church. She played a guitar and had a little singing thing she did. And she put Christian bumper stickers all over her car. She went bananas for Jesus. And uh, she was like overly saved, but she went bananas for Jesus. And and finally, she decided she wanted to get married again. And we were talking to her one time about what, what was the qualification? What are you looking for in the person you want to marry next? And her number one qualification, listen to this. He said, she said, my number one qualification is that person must be more crazy about Jesus than I am. That person must be more crazy about Jesus than I am. Hey, and if you're here today and you're a regular Christ follower and you love Jesus and Jesus is the center of your life, would you say a big amen right now? Amen. That's what it's about right there. I, you know, I was thinking after the first service, and this just hit me, hit me hard. I was back, you know, uh, you know uh, took a little break between the services. And uh, it just occurred to me, it just hit me, that if I was not a Christian, and if Karen was not a Christian, I don't think we would ever ever made it. I don't think we would ever made it past the second or third year. We were in such, we were so immature and so young, and so many problems, and I don't think we would have made it. And I began to think about how much difference Jesus made in our life. We we were so imperfect. Uh, we were like, you know, the Pearson family on This Is Us. I mean, we had all kinds of issues. and uh, But we were holding on to Jesus. We were holding on to Jesus. And my mom and dad had not been divorced. And her mom and dad had not been divorced. And, and a lot of times that's not the story today for sure. But, but we, did, we, we saw that as we had to move forward. And we had to to love Jesus, and we had to grow. And the more I stayed in touch with Jesus, the more He tapped me on the shoulder and changed my heart, and I became more mature, became more responsible. And uh, I read this quote this week about Ruth Graham uh, Bell. Uh, Ruth Graham Bell, she said, a, 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 uh, a happy marriage is the union of two good forgivers. Say that with me. A happy marriage is the union of two good forgivers. Now, if you're here today and you're not doing so good in your marriage, and hey, listen, that's like, that's a lot of people. I'm here to say, God's grace and God's mercy can help you. Uh, work on it. It's worth saving. It's worth investing in. So the last thing, the last thing that can create distance in our in our marriage, uh, is this. Uh, it's a lack of uh, it's a lack of loyalty, and it's a lack of commitment to each other. Now, I got a big I I have a big burden in my heart. I have a burden about marriage. I talk about it a lot. Uh, it's not the only thing I talk about here, but I have a big, uh, I have a big burden in my heart. And one of the burdens I have is is so many young people don't get married today. They cohabitation obviously is off the charts, and I'm, I'm not living in a I'm not living la la land. I know what the world's what's going on in the world. And I'd ask myself the question, why is that such an increasing trend? And you know what I think? I think it's because millennials. Millennials 22 to, what, 37? That's a millennial. If you're 22 to 37, you're a millennial. I think the problem is, is they've seen so many unhappy marriages that they don't want to commit to that. They see, they've seen so many unhappy marriages that they don't want to commit to that. And I think what needs to happen in churches like ours, in our community, we need to raise up great families great people who love Jesus and raise children together so we can show the millennials and others that there is hope to have a good marriage. And there are people in this church that have a great marriage. Nobody has a perfect marriage, but you can have a good marriage. And so I think it's a good thing. If you believe that, say big amen. I thought that was a pretty good point myself. I thought maybe you'd like to clap a little bit, but you didn't know. But hey, there you go. You know, it doesn't count if you have to beg for a clap. It really doesn't count for me. But anyhow, I appreciate it though. It's good. That's a good point. So, but, but I just want to say millennials, you know, and I'm the guy that when a millennial says something, I don't write it down. You know, I don't think millennials know everything. I think millennials are just regular people like baby boomers and everybody else. I think you're just people like everybody else. And, and here, I'm here to tell you, there are people that have great marriages that love Jesus and serve Jesus understanding and holding on to each other. And, uh, it's just a good thing. It's it, the Bible says, what does Proverbs say? It's, Proverbs says, he who finds a wife finds a Good thing. Say it with me. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. Doesn't say he who finds a husband finds a good thing. I don't know what that means, but anyhow, (laughs) he who finds a wife finds a good thing. So that means you're looking and all that. Okay, distance occurs, and I'm almost done. Distance occurs because of a lack of tenacity and commitment of holding on to each other. And here's what Ephesians 5 teaches here it is. Marriage is to be a reflection of God's covenant loyalty to us, of God. If you read Ephesians 5 correctly, it's a mystery of Christ in the church. So marriage is supposed to be a model of what God's like, that God never leaves us. He holds on to us. He's committed to us. Um, I've got a picture of a a couple on a motorcycle here, uh, and the wife is holding on uh, or the gal's holding on to the guy, and she's got her arms wrapped around him. I want you to know that when you think about God and His relationship to you, God holds on to you. He holds on to you regardless of your imperfections. How many are glad that God loves you just the way you are? Are you grateful for that? So what is marriage? What is it about? It's a mystery, it says in Ephesians 5. It's a, it's a model it's a metaphor. It's a model of what God's like. God never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He never lets us down. And so when I watched my grandfather die, you know, he, was a, they, he and his, my grandmother had just had 50 years of marriage together. We just had a big surprise party for them on their 50th wedding anniversary. And they came in. He had hurt his, had hurt his uh, leg and he walked in with a cane and she came in behind him. They're just farmers. And uh, they were all red-faced, that we were all there making this big ado about them. And then about six months later, my granddad had a stroke, and he lived maybe, uh, maybe another five, six months. And I was with him when he died. And I'm standing in the hospital doorway. And there's my grandmother standing beside him, holding his hand, holding his hand as he breathes his last, crying tears rolling down her face saying how much she loved him and she was with him to the end she was with him to the end she was committed she didn't leave him she didn't forsake him when they had bad years farming she didn't didn't leave him when things just got kind of like boring they just held together and loved each other and grew together you see marriage is a reflection of God's loyalty and love to us. And when Karen and I stay together year after year, 40 years, and we don't leave each other, we stay with each other, even though it's been uh, ups and downs and twists and turns and good times and bad times, we're showing a picture of what God's like. God doesn't leave you or forsake you. He says in his word, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Um, here's what marriage is, and this is my last little thing. Marriage is two people who grasp each other's hand and never let go. Marriage is two people who grasp each other's hand and never let go. That's what it's supposed to be. And some of you have been through terrible things, and you're starting again, and all that's incredibly Incredibly good thing. My son Tim went through a divorce, and we walked through that with him and uh, learned from that. And then we, you know, we, we reboot life. You have to reboot sometimes and grab a hold of a person that has a covenant love for Jesus. You take their hand and you never let go.